if you have a situation where you're uncomfortable, if it's only you kind of relying on that outcome, you can very easily just pull up the blankets and be like, I'm not going to deal with this. And then there's, there's not much growth that happens. You have to push through the difficult moments to be able to kind of come out and look back and see, okay, cool. This is, this is where I, um, where I went with it. This is how I grew from this experience. And I feel like with my business, because it wasn't just me or it isn't just me, every challenge that comes up, I, um, I face it with the, the intention that I can learn from it. Thank you, Nikki, so much for joining me today. So honored to have you on. And I just wanted to start off straight off the bat. You studied creative brand communications at Vega and then worked in various digital jobs. And then since then you've quit the corporate world and now you've started your own bakery and it's just this growing brand called Sweet Lionheart. How did this shift in your career come about? Okay, so firstly, Nikki, thank you so much for having me. Um, I've been very excited to chat to you. It was very unplanned. So going through my school life, I was always in the art class. I mean, I didn't do any science sciences at school. So when I was done with high school, I kind of decided that going into advertising was going to be the best route for me as a creative. And I studied at Vega, I did a three-year degree. And when I had finished that, they, they kind of prime you to go into advertising. So, and I mean, that was my intention. Um, it's what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, I, I never thought that, I, I thought that that was where I was going to go and that's where I was going to end up. I was actually not in advertising for very long. <laughs> it ended up me literally just trying everything. I mean, I tried to be an account manager while I was in advertising. I was a designer. I mean, I studied to be a designer and I literally just found my love for food styling and photography. And that introduction kind of inspired a switch. And it wasn't necessarily um, a very hard and fast switch into what I'm doing now. What I'm doing now is 100% like by mistake. Once I had discovered my love for food photography and styling, I started to kind of dabble in that on the side. And it was just something that I would do in my own time. And the more I did it, the more I realized that this is really, you know, like kind of like lighting the creative fire in me. And it really is, I found it quite fulfilling. And I had decided while I was working for an online store for a friend of mine as her graphic designer that I wanted to get into the kitchen. And I did a part-time pastry course at Silwood because it was the only course that I could find that was comprehensive enough in the kitchen. It wouldn't have been my first choice at all. I would have probably gone into the hot kitchen and do cooking as opposed to baking because baking was never something that I enjoyed or I never really did it growing up. Uh, it wasn't something my mom and I did together. We always cooked together. But after doing that course, I, so I was documenting my process throughout the entire year. And by the end of that course, I had this portfolio of stuff that I was making on Instagram and I had people asking me to bake for them. And I mean, the main reason why I was documenting it was because I wanted to style and photograph. But then I had people saying like, please, can you make this for me? And they were going to pay me to make it. So I was like, cool, this is a really good trade-off. I get money because someone's actually going to consume the good that I make 
just that, so that I can have a photograph of it, you know? And that's kind of how the switch happened. It was very slow and steady going from design into pastry. And a lot of people thought it was a very strange switch, but for me, the pastry actually, um, it was a physical manifesta manifestation of creativity. Yeah, well, I can imagine you must have definitely enjoyed the food photography. I know whenever I go out and eat, I just enjoy the presentation and taking the photos. And I was the one who's making them. <laughs> it is, it's so pleasing. And we all know girls love food and we get hangry. So mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can see the passion, but that's really awesome. And I mean, it does sound like a weird sort of transition, but the way you explain it, it really does sound like for you it just came naturally. And it just seemed like happy accident, you know, that there wasn't a hot course degree for you to do it. So what yes. it was pastry. I also have to ask, how did you come up with the name Sweet Lionheart? What does it mean? So it doesn't necessarily have like a kind of definitive meaning. It's more about what it means to me. In 2014, before I decided to do the part-time pastry course, I had traveled to Europe with Ross, my husband, and on that trip, I was still working for Zana, which is the online online store. And on that trip, I had decided that I wanted to make a change in terms of like my career and what I was doing every day and trying to like find what was fulfilling for me. Even though like I loved working for Robin, um, it was just, there was, there was something missing. And on that trip, there was an album that we were listening to by Porter Robinson. Uh, the album's name is Walls. And there's a song called Lionhearted on it. And it's just like one of those songs that make you feel something. I know it sounds super corny, but when it came to this point, about a year and a half later, I had, I had this business and I was like, what am I going to call it? And Lionheart was actually the original name before it was Sweet Lionheart. I had some some issues with just Lionheart, but yeah, so that's where the name comes from. It always feels like a little bit awkward to explain it to people because um, it sounds very like typical from yeah, I being think inspired by a song. There's, no, but it's a moment. It's something that really gripped you and it means something. Yeah. So, I mean, what better way to name it? 100% yeah and also for me like when I listen to that song again I still I still get that feeling um it's like sometimes if I feel like a little bit down or like I'm inspired but like just a gentle reminder as to why I'm doing yeah. what I'm doing yeah. yeah and then I just took, put that song on it doesn't happen like super often but whenever I listen to that song I'm like oh kind of just like gets you makes you yeah, feel like I know why I'm doing like, this now this is why I'm mm. here like <laughs> Exactly. So it's quite nice to have a very accessible reminder like that. So, yeah. Amazing how we can get transported like that. It's always, I mean, it's also like smells as well. I'm sure when you use certain smells, when you're baking things, you're just maybe transported back to maybe your grandmother or exactly. childhood memory or something. It's, the senses are amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's very powerful here. Very, very. So I think also a really interesting point is that, you know, leaving the corporate world and kind of a stable job and opening your own business how did you deal with anxiety of quitting the corporate world and pursuing your passion i think for me most of the anxiety started after i quit <laughs> so like i mentioned i was i had a lot of support in getting to that point where i had this business and i also i did it very slowly i transitioned well i say slowly it took me about 
nine months to actually go from part-time to full-time after I had finished my pastry course. In that time, I was working half day for Zana and half day for myself. Like I go into work super early, go do some stuff in the kitchen because my kitchen actually ended up being in the back of their warehouse, my very first kitchen. Wonderful. <laughs> it's very convenient. And then 8 a.m. I'd go and sit at my desk, do whatever work I was doing for Rob's, like design emailers or whatever. And then one o'clock I'm off back to the kitchen again. And then I'd stay there until like 9, 10, 11 o'clock. So making that transition, it was slow and steady. And I think also what eased the anxiety was when I was still part-time, my one really good friend from school, she was in London at the time. And I said to her, well, she was very unhappy there and she was planning on coming back to Cape Town. And I said to her, I was like, well, come back to Cape Town and do this thing with me. So she came back in July or June of 2016. And at that time I was still part-time and she kind of like, I mean, she didn't have any kitchen background. Um, I mean, not that I had much either. I just did one year well, part-time part pastry. <laughs> so you did exactly. But I never like, I never immersed myself in that, the hospitality world mm. to sit like in that yeah. kind of regard. Um, and then she came and I, I honestly feel like if she hadn't joined me at that time, I don't know whether I would have continued because I have a history of starting something and finishing it when it, not when it becomes too hard, but just as soon as I feel like um, there's, there's more to lose, I would tend to kind of be like, okay, cool, this is too hard. I'm too scared to fail. And having her join made me feel like I could do it. So September of that year, I ended up resigning from Zana and to go full-time with Lionheart. And it was one of those moments where I, I had wanted to do it like a lot sooner, but I wasn't ready to do it yet. One, like I couldn't really pay myself at that point. But by that time, um, we were getting enough orders and the business was, or the brand was gaining traction. So um, at that stage, I could make that leap. And it wasn't that scary just because I had done it slowly. And also one thing that really helped me was I never knew what it was like to have a massive paycheck. So <laughs> leaving like one, like leaving the one for the other wasn't going to lose like a, a lifestyle standard per se, or in that way, there wasn't that financial fear because again, I had a lot of support from friends, family, my husband. So it made it easier. That's why like a lot of the times when people say to me, oh, are you so brave for doing it? Like, yes, I know it was like scary to put yourself out there and open yourself up for scrutiny and judgment and all of those things, but also praise, I guess. But I did have a lot of support and it did make it easier. The anxiety definitely started afterwards. And that's when like, I mean, 2017, beginning of 20, 2017, I was a, a hot mess. And I think my journey of like self-discovery and um, a lot of lessons started to kind of like bubble up to the surface the things that I needed to deal with yeah. within myself. And that was all just through running my business, you know, like dealing with failure. What are people going to say? Um, caring what people think about me because it's that was up until that point in my life that was my main narrative you know I did things to please yeah and putting myself in a in a space where 
like you're not going to make everyone happy with the cake that you make you know yeah. <laughs> it's like and people are paying you money to do it their hard-earned money so they're trusting you to do it and it's it's very different you like you're opening yourself up for some some people being happy and some people not being so happy with it and then dealing with feedback not yeah. seeing it as an attack how can i take it to yes. improve what i'm doing um and there's a lot of personal lessons in that it's not just about how it's affecting my business it's how it's affecting me because that's mm. Like I'm the baseline, you know, the anxiety started and I just had to deal with it. It's, you know, it's, it's not better, but I can cope with it a lot better. Yes. It's been four years or well, almost four years now that I've been like full on immersing myself in running the business and dealing with all of the little bits and pieces and yeah, navigating that. Yeah. I think the nerves are always good i think nerves never go away and the anxiety it just yeah. means that you care and i it's people i think get it very convoluted you know about braving the wilderness as Brene brown mm. but it's just it's how you cope with the nerves it's that in spite of that fear like you're still pushing forward that that's really courageous so commend that to you big time <laughs> and <laughs> You know, you were mentioning about how your business had taught you about self-discovery and self-awareness. How do you feel that having your own business can help someone through, you know, self-awareness and self-discovery? How did it help you personally? I think the biggest thing is it holds up a mirror. And a lot of the times in like, well, I speak from my personal experience, but if you have a situation where you're uncomfortable, if it's only you kind of relying on that outcome, you can very easily just pull up the blankets and be like, I'm not going to deal with this. And then there's there's not much growth that happens. You have to push through the difficult moments to be able to kind of come out and look back and see, okay, cool, this is this is where I um, where I went with it. This is how I grew from this experience. And I feel like with my business, because it wasn't just me or it isn't just me every challenge that comes up i um i face it with the the intention that i can learn from it but also i'm not the only person that has a stake in me dealing with an issue if that makes sense you know it's like confrontation is like one of my worst things i absolutely hate it but i am so good at it now i'm so good at it it's like as soon as a problem arises in the workplace like, yes, I mean, it's super fun working in the kitchen and with my all girls team, like everybody's amazing, but you know, we all have our days and things yeah. come up. And if somebody is maybe unconsciously being a specific way and it's affecting the entire team, I need to step in and deal with this. I don't like telling people how they should and shouldn't be, or, um, you know, pointing out to somebody when they're doing something that is affecting everybody. I hate being that person, but I have to be that person for my entire team. And it's also, it's just taught me a lot about myself and the way that I handle uncomfortable situations. So like just knowing that when I do breach a subject like that or like approach somebody, it's not because I don't like them. It's just because we need to deal with an issue. There's no hard feelings, nothing personal, but we need to move like, move through this and grow from here. 
So it's just, it's been moving through a lot of uncomfortability, which a lot of the times in hindsight, I'm like, it actually wasn't that bad. And then the next time it comes and it present like a new thing presents itself, it's so much easier to actually do it. It's not, it's not like, it's not not hard, but it's easier. Yeah. I think we often, you know, build things up in our head. And then once we deal with it, we think, actually, that was okay. Like, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. that bad. It's like a workout. When you look at the workout, you're like, oh, burpees. I'm going to die. No, yeah. it's horrible. Literally. And then afterwards you do it, you're like, yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs> you're like, I can take on the world. Like, I'm up. Exactly. <laughs> All the endorphins. Yeah. No, but that's beautiful. I think that a lot of people uh, uh, struggle with that, you know, with that self-discovery and self-awareness. So it's beautiful that your business helped bring those things to light for you and then also taught you some lessons on, you know, you said you always hated confrontation, but now you're actually okay with it because you've learned how to deal with it. So there's beautiful nuances and lessons and all of that as well. Yeah. I do also think, I mean, on the flip side, like my business has taught me so much about myself, but... I, it's also because I, I wasn't separating my personal life or like Nikki and my business. So now I'm sitting with this issue where I'm trying to figure out again, like who is Nikki without my business. So I've spent four and a half, five years of like diving in deep, like sinking my teeth into like starting this thing and getting it going and keeping it going. And now I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, cool. So if it's all taken away from me, who am I? Yeah. So like, that's the journey that I'm on now. So hopefully maybe in like two years time, we can have this conversation again. Yes. And I can have other, other life lessons for you. Self-discovery, <laughs> the path to who I am away from my business. Exactly. I think that's beautiful. Definitely. I'll, I'll, oh. I'll we can book it in. <laughs> Fabulous. Future, future selves, future Nikki's. Yes, yeah. It's, now we'll look back on this in two years and say, okay, this is what we said. Do we still agree with this? What have we learned yeah. since then? Because growth is inevitable. I believe that you should always want to grow yourself. And uh, But that's a whole other discussion about growth. <laughs> exactly. And just last question I ask this to every woman that comes onto my platform is that what does feminine leadership mean to you? I think it is extremely necessary as an equalizer in the times that we're living. It's unfortunate that it has to be called feminine leadership that we at that point or you know that we, that's just how life is that it can't just be called leadership but i do think that it's a right it's not a privilege and the more it is the line is shone on feminine leaders that it will begin to kind of filter through society again like for me i didn't come into the industry it was a very big eye-opener for me um, coming into the food industry as a female that's wanting to start my business because i have never ever seen my gender as a roadblock mm. and i think it's also because i come from a, a place of privilege as a white woman but it was a massive eye-opener for me coming into the food industry and just seeing how like the inequality in the system and like how male chefs are always like you know they'll be paid more um they're just so more much renowned. more respected yeah. Yeah. exactly and it's just it's amazing to kind of see how things are changing very slowly but there are all these little movements around 
raising awareness, which is so necessary. And I'm just, I'm very grateful to be in this position where I'm able to um, kind of, I'm in a female led business that is just, I only have women working for me every, like from different walks of lives, uh, life. And um, it's been interesting to see how, like we all just have a common goal, you know, it's just doing what we love. And it's it's really sad that it has to have be under this kind of lens of what is being a female in, in leadership or in the food industry under like, a, like in a patriarchal kind yeah. of society. But um, it's important conversations and I do think that we're going to see amazing transformation in like the next couple of like very soon just with the tools that we all have at our disposable uh, disposable at our disposal like being able to have these conversations it's important small yeah, changes it's so still polarized society and this is why i always ask it as well because people need to have the conversation and then people like oh feminism feminism and feminazis and all this stuff but mm. there's a reason why the conversations are still happening it's not just because we're bored and we feel like it it's that i listen to podcasts quite a lot and as well <laughs> there's a female influencer who's got her own business etc and she's got a partner as well she says she's been in business rooms and board meetings where they only look to the male and only speak to her to to him and she was like actually i'm the founder it's it's me not not yeah. him he's just like a partner investor like we're in this together but i'm the founder like i'm the ceo yeah speak to me yeah so slowly but surely things are changing that's why i wanted the platform so now we can have more women speaking about their stories exactly and i mean like i mean like i was saying just now like for me coming into the space even as a woman i didn't understand how like polarizing it was but now i'm here i understand and you then want to have those conversations it's not about being like okay cool well this is not really affecting me i i'm not going to get involved you know i'm too scared to get involved like even if it is like i mean in some small way it does affect you or small or big way it does affect you so yeah it's really important so thank you for having this platform for us to have these conversations i want to move into a segment now that i like to call the abcs of your career so i feel mm -hmm. like you did touch on this a bit earlier with regards to how you came to the name of sweet lion hearts but what mm -hmm. was your a your amazing affluent aha moment i haven't had that yet no i'm joking <laughs> just kidding i think it was the day when i was still busy baking from my flat it was in the very very early days i think i was actually still doing silverwood and i walked down i got the phone call from a client who was collecting her cake she's like i think maybe the first or second client who had ordered something from me and i didn't know her at all and she had ordered this cake and she let me know that she was at my apartment to go and collect to, to collect and I went down with the cake and I handed it over to her and just like it's so weird I, I remember the weather and what it felt like and like the lights and everything of that day and that was just this moment of like okay cool so I can do this thing and people will pay me for it <laughs> that's awesome um, 
Yeah, you know, I ended up naming the cake that she had ordered after her. So we've got a cake design on our website that's named after her. And she's still like one of our customers and she comes to our workshops and she supports online and stuff. So yeah, it's it's cool because we've also had these like beautiful moments with people from the, the beginning that are still with us. Oh, that's so beautiful that have been there along the journey. And so special that you named a cake after her. She must feel so flattered. I would feel so great. I would be like, yeah, <laughs> that's my cake. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can order my cake online. Thanks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got a cake named after me. Mm. And B, what was a business blunder turned to blessing? I've kind of got two. The one was before I had started my business. It was when I was... I had just finished studying at Vega and I had to go into the ad industry and do an internship. And the agency that I was at, I went in as a design intern and then I left as an account manager because I did my four months there and I was like, cool, I can see what these account managers are doing. Um, It looks like something I would enjoy doing and I'd be good at. And I gave it a go and I convinced them to let me change and at that point I was not very good at failing and coming to the realization that I'm not cut out for this and when I had left there I just remember like my whole body just like releasing like I was just crying because I was just like okay cool I did not succeed at this Um, so like but it was a blessing because I ended up then moving on to an online food magazine where I was able to do my food styling and photography and you know, like things all kind of like all roads led to Sweet Lionheart. That was definitely one. And then another, which it's not about the decision that was made, but it was the way that it had ended. So Carmen, who came on as my business partner, we also really good friends. We ended up like terminating the partnership just because like things just weren't necessarily working out. And at that time, I had seen the end of that partnership as a failure because I wasn't able to make it work. And also, I mean, there were a lot of external factors, but in the end, it was a blessing. I think it was better for our friendship. The business kind of was able to change course with me, just like steering the ship and stuff. So yeah, it was super sad, but yeah. it, it turned out for the better, I think, for both of us. Yeah. How, yeah. how big is your Instagram following now? I think we're on 98.8 thousand. <laughs> so definitely. all organic. Wow. I haven't bought one follower. <laughs> so yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but that's also like, I mean, it's such a, a cake sells. People love cake. Even people that don't make cake. They will just like sit and watch videos of like how a cake is put together. It's therapeutic. It's just, yeah. Uh, my sister and I used to love Cake Boss. Oh mm. my gosh, it was so cool. <laughs> love watching those like next great bake off. And it's just, it's so cool seeing these creations that come about and it's so beautiful. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you it's make it? Super this? satisfying. Exactly. <laughs> and making it, knowing like I made this must be so cool. Yeah, it is. It's very satisfying. Sure. And see, what was a cinematic worthy cock up moment? Hmm. Again, too. The one was I, so we teach cake decorating workshops. 
and um a lot of the times like because i'm not in the kitchen i'm the one that's like creatively like steering the ship say like this color that angle you know and so i'm like technically not the best i've got everybody else that like works for me they are like they know what's on, like what's happening and yes like I do understand everything, but sometimes like if you're not doing it all the time, it's a little bit harder to kind of like execute. So the one workshop I was teaching how to put a white chocolate drip on a cake. And the one thing that you need to do is you need to wait for your chocolates to cool before you put it on your cake. And I was like, I was getting nervous, like demonstrating and I was like all flustered and my drip was still like boiling hot and I'm like going on the cake and the whole thing just like smelted. And I just said to everybody, I was like, so that's what you don't do. <laughs> Good recovery. Thanks. Thanks. I think also like it's refreshing for people that come to our workshops because we also make mistakes and we own them and we just like, you know, this, this happens all the time. But I did feel very awkward after that. And something that happened quite early in the, like the very beginning stages was I was hosting a bridal tasting. So the couple were getting married. They wanted to come and taste the cake options and pick what they wanted. And just before they had arrived, I was busy stacking a cake and like trying to, you know, get some work done before this consultation. And I was obviously rushing it in true Nikki form. And then we kind of settled in for our consultation. I was standing looking at them and if they looked right behind me, they could see into my fridge. And when they had left, I saw that the entire cake that I had stacked had fallen over. So it obviously <laughs> had, <laughs> it obviously had fallen over while I was having this consultation with them. You know, I'm like telling them why they got to go with me to make their wedding cake. <laughs> Please have all the trust. And then, yeah, needless to say, they still went with us. We made their wedding cake and they were very stoked. But yeah, the tasters who must have served them must have just blown their mind that they didn't even yeah. care that the cake fell in the bag. <laughs> Exactly. They were just like. <laughs> so now we're coming towards the end of the interview, and I like to end it with a quick fire round of questions. So just mm -hmm. uh, you know, like one sentence, one word, whatever comes first to mind. Are you a morning or an evening person? Morning. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> if you could live in any book, which one would it be? I think it's because I've recently read the series, but any one of Lucinda Riley's Seven Sister books. And one thing in your daily routine or ritual that you couldn't live without? Definitely coffee. Like, cons like consistently every single day, coffee. The other thing, very close second to that would be meditation. Like I can maybe go for like one day without meditating, but if I have two days consecutive where I haven't meditated, I can 100% feel it. Do but you meditate I can't wake in up the morning coffee. or the evening, afternoon, and for how long? In the morning, I do 15 minutes. Okay. So yeah. not like so... really long, bite size. It's quite nice. Mm. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I have some days where I do a little bit longer, but the 15 minutes is a good kind of like start to my day and just like a grounding session. And also like, I find that it's very helpful to, to sit if I have to come up with like, if I just have to reflect and I mean, like a, an example would be like being given a set of questions and I need to answer them based on like my life. And then I don't know what to say, but if you literally just sit and meditate on it for a couple of minutes, like it, it helps me so much. So yeah. 
And last question. Three people that you would have invite over for a dinner party, dead or alive? <laughs> um, Buddha, just because spiritual, spiritual wisdom. Um, Glennon Doyle. Ooh, She's yes. an, an author, yeah. Yes. 100% I would just like to pick her brain about the way she sees yes. life and yeah some profound like um boundary and yes yes yeah her just her way of thinking is amazing and then either Dominic Ansel or Yotam Atalengi for like just jam-packed full of food inspiration Ooh. Sounds like a really interesting dinner evening. Super spiritual, but then super foodie. I love it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Nikki, for joining me on the podcast and on the platform. Really enjoyed interviewing with you. And I can't wait to see how Sweet Lionheart is just going to boom even more. Thank you so much, Nick. So lovely to chat to you. And you. yeah, we'll pencil in that date for two years time. Yes, yes, definitely.